0: hello hello beautiful people welcome back i'm healy helveston this podcast is all about holistic health sacred sexuality and spirituality i have kitty pride back with us y'all she's a certified sex coach welcome hello we are really diving deep today y'all we are going into bdsm basics
1: cool beans
0: Yes, and I was telling you know Kitty Proud, before we started y'all. I thought BDSM was I guess you know when you think about it, people think it's this very extreme form of, uh, you know, exchanging pain for pleasure. So go into that.
1: Right. So let me start off with the with biology first, just to get people to understand. So your body reads pain based off of perception, right? That's why you got people who have like pain disorders um, and somatic disorders because they'll feel something that would not be there. That's an actual disorder. Um, And I'm giving that as an example to say that with BDSM, pain, a lot of people will see it as pain because they perceive what's happening to the person is painful. Um, But that person who's receiving the quote unquote pain is actually uh, very satisfied and um, they actually, it actually feels wonderful, if you ask me. <laughs> um, so I want to start off by saying that, that whatever is happening in a particular BDS scene, scene, as they call it, is based on the perception and is based on the experience of the individuals involved in that scene. Um, so let me put that out there first. Um, so technically, it is all about pleasure. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just a, I don't want to say it's a different category because I tell people all the time that if you slap someone's ass during sex, that could be some BDSM play. Mm -hmm. If you tie somebody up, if you like to be choked, that could be BDSM play. But the genre of BDSM comes with a philosophy. It comes with, um, rules. It comes with a code. And that's what sets them apart compared to just random slapping someone's ass and choking someone in bed, if you will. So, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So there's a, there's a difference. So A, pain is going to be based on the experience of the receiver and the giver. And then B, BDSM compared to just regular choking and slapping and spanking during sex, there's a code that goes with it. It's like, there's a code for everything. There's a code, there's, there's laws, there's regulations of the land. There's, there's a code to the drug game in the streets is uh, whatever some of my favorite old school rappers would say. Um, There's a code with BDSM.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we're saying this though, because I think that, I think people are really curious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I personally, you know, I told you, I think I've only done a very vanilla form of BDSM. So I would, I would love to do more of it, but I also feel like what you were saying before we started recording, it's finding the right person and the safety and all that. So go into that.
1: Well, um, I'll go into that by just kind of talking about really the principles and philosophies that I've learned. Um, I do know for a fact I'm a bona fide submissive. Like there is nothing about me that's dominant. People think that I'm dominant when they meet me. And there's nothing dominant about me at all in a BDSM situation um, behind closed doors, period, um, which my partner definitely enjoys. Um, We don't have a BDSM situation going on per se with me and my partner, but there's a lot of things that he is down to doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So number one, it is still based on – there, the dominant has to make an agreement with the submissive. That's uh, that's absolute. Like there is no um, question. There is no. You can't get away from that. There has to be an agreement between the dominant and the sub. Period. Um, and you cannot, absolutely under no circumstances, step outside of those boundaries. Anytime you step outside of those boundaries, it is abuse. Matter of fact, I'll even go further to say, not only is it abuse, it's a domestic domestic violence situation. You could get arrested. You will go to jail. (laughs) It's just plain and simple. Yeah. You know, so a real dominant is going to know that. A real dominant is not going to say, well, you do as I say. It's not about what you want. It's about what I want. That's not a real dominant. That's someone looking for an excuse to abuse. And I've been to different part. I've been invited to different parties. I was asked to host a show one time whose theme was BDSM, and they had absolutely no idea what that was, what BDSM was, because they were going off this idea that, they were the Dom, so you do as I say. And that's not how that works. Okay. Um, a dominant wants to please their submissive. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And they are
1: given the allure that they are dominating that person. That person who's being the submissive wants to be dominated. But if I don't want to be choked, don't choke me. Mm. Not going to get the response that you want. Um, What happens is, uh, which leads to the next phase, as I'll call it, during a scene, a dominant who is performing their deed to their submissive after they've created their agreement, they'll create a safe word usually, um, depending on their relationship, depending on how long they've been seeing each other, um, whether it's professional or not. Um, You know, usually after a while, you get to know people, the dominant knows how to pay close attention to the submissive. And they'll sometimes know when to stop even before the submissive knows. So this is a great thing for couples to learn because it teaches them communication, Um, not just verbal communication, but nonverbal communication and um, being attentive. A lot of things that women tend to complain about when it comes to their partners, especially their male partner. But during a scene when the Dom is doing his deed, uh, the submissive is literally taken to their highest state of euphoria. So it don't matter what the scene is, and I'll get into the types that's out there in a minute, but they're at the highest phase of euphoria. Um, It's literally orgasmic. So I remember a few years ago, I was assisting with a uh, class out in Los Angeles uh, that was training coaches and therapists and counselors in the area of sex therapy and things like that. And one of our field trips was to go to, uh, can I say the name of the place? Yeah. Okay, it's uh, Sinister, shout out to Sinister out in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, Sinister was, Sinister was, can I say shit?
0: Yeah, yeah, everything's open here.
1: Oh, cool. Sinister is the shit. I w- I must say, oh, um, it Sinister, is- the <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, that's the name. It's the shit. So we went there to, you know, as a field trip, and um, there's the, what the large, the larger, you know, area of the spot. I'll say auditorium. It was kind of the size of that. Um, the dominant there was uh, welcoming you know, anybody who wanted to be a submissive to come on stage. I saw that as my opportunity. So I went up on stage and uh, he did, you know, as every Dom would, we've made an agreement. He told, you know, he asked me, you know, how hard and what he can and cannot do, things like that. He was hot, too. Oh, my God. Um, Then again, I have a thing for guys with glasses. Um, Anyways. So he bent me over, he starts spanking me with his whip. And that 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 shit right there. Oh my god. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But that was the most euphoric uh experience I ever had. Like I was literally. I was he took me to the maximum where like I was literally having an orgasm on stage and this was without having sex without being penetrated he did he barely touched me it was just all spanking with it wasn't even a whip it was with um I forgot what it's called it has little nine tails on it um
0: I don't know what that is I know what you're talking about
1: but you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. yeah but he was spanking me and and he was going on and on and on and on of course you know, the class, some of the class was watching. Mind you, it was empty before I got up there. I got up there, by the time he was done, I don't know how long I was up there for. It felt like forever. And at the end, the whole auditorium is full. Cause come to find out somebody was telling me they don't really see a lot of black female submissives. Most black women who, who are in this work are usually doms. Um, so they were excited to see <laughs> someone take it for the team, right? But at the end, um, he had an agreement with his own partner that not to provide aftercare, which is what I'm about to get into, not to provide aftercare for his submissives. So I had to find someone to give me aftercare. <laughs> because oh, wow because if you don't provide aftercare, that's another thing too. It is abusive if you do not provide aftercare. And if whatever reason you cannot provide aftercare, you gotta get the person, your submissive aftercare. And aftercare is that space where you're you're done with the scene and you're providing them with things to help bring them back to earth. Because Mm -hmm. what happens is, And fellas out there who keep saying that you have good dick, but it turns women into stalkers, this is something you might want to take into consideration when you're having sex, too. Um, Aftercare brings that person out of heaven and back under earth, back into reality, right? Um, Because otherwise, yes, she will or he will become a stalker. They will get very emotional. you know, it's you have to be mindful that you have hormones and neurotransmitters working your body at the same time. So, when you're in that state of euphoria, you know, and you just stay stuck up there, you're going to create <laughs> issues for your submissive. Hmm. So, um, needless to say, you know, and I honor what he said, he told me before he could not provide aftercare because he's a responsible dominant. He told me before I cannot provide it because me and my partner have an agreement. So I'm like, okay. Luckily, I knew I had to get aftercare. So a couple of the classmates who I was co-facilitating and teaching, whatever, made themselves available to give me aftercare. And for me, I need to be held. I need to be hugged. (laughs) <laughs> like I needed that type of it to bring me back down to earth and it has to be for at least 20 minutes or more
0: mm-hmm. I had to
1: be held some people don't need to be held um some people want you to just leave but before you leave they might want you to get them a glass of water um some people need to be fucked like afterwards um it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. You just have to, so it it, it requires a submissive to really know themselves to be able to do this work, and it requires a responsible dom to be able to know that they can provide what they're giving to the submissive. That's why in the beginning, like I said, first phase, you make the agreement. Part of your agreement is understanding what aftercare is going to be, what's going to be composed of. And if you're unable to provide it, do not provide the service. It it will be detrimental for you and your partner. Um, So that's pretty much how it goes, you know, from start to finish. Um, You know, you have to have an agreement and you have to provide aftercare. Whatever happens in between is going to be dependent on the beginning and what you have planned in the beginning and the end. Plain and simple. Um, and it's perfect for couples because it teaches you how to be attentive um, it teaches you it teaches intimacy um, the first time I learned about BDSM on this capacity, I thought it was very romantic um, because it's not like you're just beating the shit out of someone and that's it no it's it's there's extra care that you're taking. Um, you know, there's it, there's consideration that's there, on a level that most couples dream to have. Um, you know, so I usually encourage people when you if you decide to practice BDSM, it's it's good to find a a a, a dominant sub that you can get to train you, um, and there are plenty of them out there that will work with you and teach you and your partner if you are in a partnership. And even if you're not in a partnership, you can go by yourself and, you know, go to someone that is, has a great reputation. Don't ask around. I would say ask around. Do not ask around. I would say inbox me, you know, Coach Kitty Pride on Instagram um, or my email, (laughs) mindbodyeros at gmail.com. And I'll send you people I personally trust that I personally know here in the state of Georgia, especially, and even across the globe, because I have connections with other sexologists across the globe. Um, But, you know, it's always good to see someone who's professional at this, who can train you, who can show you what to do, especially for you and your partner. It's great therapy, it's been scientifically proven to help treat trauma um especially if you've had a history of sex trauma you know it's 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 i love it I, I tell people all the time i personally love it i personally love practicing it um when i'm able to practice it and uh it it really has the potential to be not even potential it is very therapeutic but you just have to understand those three phases there's you know the very beginning where you're going to create an agreement that you're going to stick to. And then there's your play, play time. And then there's the aftercare. It's just like sex. So that's, Mm. that's, that's, those are the basics with that.
0: No, I'm really glad that we were talking about this topic because I think that a lot of people don't know what you just said about that. I had no idea that, I mean, obviously I'm very uh, new at the whole BDSM scene, yeah, but I think that that's great that you said the part about the aftercare part for the people listening, because people may not know that. Like I didn't know that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the aftercare is just as important as what I like to call the the foreplay, um, or the you know during this the phase where you create your agreements, and you know it it's it's very important. It's very responsible. And even if you are someone who you may not engage in BDSM, but you want to have more sex, right? Um, A lot of people want to have sex and then just leave and be like, well, there's nothing else I owe you. Got mine. If you didn't get yours well, that's not how this works. (laughs) If you're going to keep having problems, the way you've been having problems to all you ladies and gentlemen out there, if you don't understand the basics of some sort of aftercare, aftercare is part of the sexual experience. Period, and I tell that to people all the time. Aftercare is a concept of BDSM, but even with um, Masters and Johnson, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. with the uh, um, the, the um, cycle, I can't. I'm having a brain fart. Sorry, but you know, the sexual response cycle, you know, there's a the foreplay, you know, then there's the actual sex and there's the orgasm, then there's the plateau. There's a plateau. And even during that time, you know, you have to know what works for you. And a lot of times, you know, most people just get to a point where they're like, you know what, I don't even want to, uh, I don't want them to stay because having them stay like that, I get involved, you know, I get stuck in my emotions and they end up hurting me and blah blah blah. And I get it, but part of having a great sexual experience is emotions. It is mm-hmm. excitement. The emotions play a major part in sex. And trying to shun emotion, you know, is not gonna help you really. It's actually gonna make things worse especially if you suppress it, eventually you're going to become a ticking time bomb. What needs to happen is you just like with BDSM, you have to find someone, even if it's casual, you got to find someone and you, and even when you do, you got to make it clear on what you know you have to have before, during and after sex period. Even if you don't want a relationship, you got to make it known if afterwards it, it, and see there's some people who don't want to be touched afterwards, which is and it's authentic, which is fine but don't su- don't suppress what you really want because it's just going to create more of a void in your life. you know what I mean So BDSM is a nice um, practice that actually it makes sure that every void is filled that I can definitely say about it when it's when it's done correctly. Anything outside of these principles, anything outside of the code of BDSM is not BDSM. It, it's just, there. You, the, it is not an argument. It is not up for discussion. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care <laughs> what you think. Anybody who's in the BDSM community will tell you anything outside of the code is not BDSM. It's just plain and simple. If we apply those same principles in our sex life, I've applied the same principles in my sex life, you know, and it's actually helped improve who I meet. Well, I don't even meet really anybody anymore because there's been one person I've I've that I've been fucking with. And mm-hmm. oh, yes, we have been fucking. <laughs> yes. we've, christened, we've christened my new apartment. So you know, but those same principles help to establish what I have going on now, you know, so it's, that's, that's pretty much, you know, it, now there are different types of BDSM based on what I've learned within the last couple of years, if you want to hear them.
0: Well, yes, I do want to hear you, but give, let me pause real quick for a second. I'm so sure. glad that you said that part too, about the fact that most of the time, you know, BDSM is a great way for couples to work on the intimacy and the connection and the communication, yeah. because I've been that person before where the guy just jumps up. It's like, hello, what? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's so great that you said that about like really communicating is the woman that are listening or the man. What, what do you need after?
1: You got to communicate it. I tell every guy, I'm like, before, we're, before we do anything, we need coffee and conversation. Hmm. After we do anything, I need to be held. Um, If you're one of those where you want me to leave your place after we have sex, I'm not coming over. If your bathroom is nasty, I'm not coming over. I have been to some motherfuckers' bathrooms that was beyond nasty. Bitch, you trying to give me a fucking bacteria infection? What if I got to pee? And then you want me to open my legs to your punk ass. And then you want to complain if something wrong down there. Well, motherfucker, number one, your toilet's nasty. Your bathroom's nasty. Your apartment is nasty. And you want me to come and sit down in here and suck your dick. No, that's not how this works. And I even go deeper. If you're approaching me and you're giving me your fake name, and you are 35 years old, we have nothing to talk about. We're not even going past, no, you can't have my number. No, you can't know my name. None of that.
0: Guys, do their names?
1: Oh, yeah. What? Like, they have nicknames. They have rapper names. They got (laughs) art names. They got stage names. Yes.
0: Welcome to Atlanta.
1: You know? And a lot of people do that because they just want to hit it and quit it you know cuz they don't want a woman to come chase after them well if you just you know stop lying on your dick and stop don't don't fake don't be fake about it you know what i mean you make it worse faking it you if you cannot handle the fact that you're dealing with someone next to you who's a human being who has emotions yeah he, he, he or she has emotions You know, they have a heart. You know, they have certain things that they need. You have no business sleeping with them. You probably have, if you can't even deal with emotions, you have no business having sex, period.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of guys, it's just because they can't deal with their emotions, that's why they want the girl to leave right after?
1: No, I think it's because they don't want to deal with the emotions. See, this is biblical. Um, When I was a child... I acted as a child. But when I became grown, I put away childish things. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason, I'll even get into this. A lot of indigenous cultures to this day, still, the man has to go through rites of passage. And in some cultures, the women go through rites of passage. Mm-hmm. But a lot of, I know a lot of the African traditions, the ancient African traditions, I'm talking about pre. Um, you know, before the, uh, the conquests that happened in Africa and things like that thousands of years, some of those traditions to this day with some of the indigenous tribes who've never had their cultures touched, still practice a rite of passage.
0: And go into what that means.
1: And what that basically means is you don't become a man until we say, okay, you're a man now. And they don't give a damn if you're 25 years old. Mm -hmm. Oh, you think you're a man? No. You can only be a man. There's some tribes that they send their boys out. Out to the forest. And some will come back. And some will get lost. And the ones who came back, all right, you're ready to become men now. And some of them who got lost, they go find them. And if they find them, and they usually do, all right, you're not ready. Better luck next year. So here, and I have this conversation with men all the time, a man is not a man just because he turned 18. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men would say, well, what about a rites of passage with women? Here's the thing here in this nation. Um, let me tell you why there's no rites of passage for women, but I think there could, and, and, but there is technically one for men that is unspoken Mm of, because we've been raised to be mothers and wives and girlfriends and side chicks from this time, from age two. Mm -hmm. What was the first toy we was given? A baby doll. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't
1: know one female who was not given a baby doll when they were a baby at two years old. And in some cases, if your parents had enough money, it came with a, it came with a baby carriage,
0: mm-hmm. we were raised
1: to be mothers. And then we were raised to be mothers before wives. So what do we start playing when we're four or five years old, house?
0: Yes, wow, this is we're gonna mess up when you mention this.
1: Yeah, we're the mama, he's the daddy, they're the kids. And we somehow knew not to choose our sibling to be the other parent. We knew to get that other kid, the next door neighbor, or that little boy from church. Y'all playing, Mm -hmm. y'all doing a play date. He going to be the daddy. And that's just basically it. We were bred to be mothers and wives and girlfriends long before we knew how to fully talk. Mm -hmm. So that's why we get it. And a lot of men are not getting it because they were bred to grow up and become whatever it is that they think that they're capable of. They could be anything that they want. And so the idea of being a husband and a father is the furthest of their mind. So it's like, how can I have sex without the responsibility that comes with that? and I tell men all the time, you can't have sex without responsibility. If, you, if you're trying to avoid responsibility, you are not ready for sex. Mm. I don't care if you're 40 years old. It's just plain and simple.
0: Well, Okay, so what you just said, wow, you just said some powerful stuff here for everybody. Mm-hmm. So basically what she just said is the fact that we are raising a society of man boys. Um, but it's very fascinating to me. I do think that there are, um, yeah, I think that there, there are those guys that are maybe, like I had coffee earlier with a guy friend. He's a good guy. He seems wise beyond his years. Like he's 25, just on the ball. But um, when I was 25, I did not meet with guys like that. Yeah,
1: I think that this generation – The millennials and the Z generation, he's kind of on that border. It sounds, well, kind of millennial is more like under 40, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were born in 2002 and later, you're the Z generation. So um, he's still kind of millennial. I think with us and even as the younger generation is growing older, we're becoming more mindful and more mature because we're learning from, we see our parents Live out the mistakes they made when we were kids. You know, like a lot of us have parents with HIV and with all these diseases. And mm-hmm. we grew up in, some of us grew up in single parent households because they just could not get along. Some of us experienced divorce. We know what it is to be the latchkey kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: the latchkey kid continued on into our generation. We're not even latchkeys anymore. A lot of the, the younger generation, it's not even last key. Like, you could take an Uber home now. You got a cell phone. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's different. So they don't get enough, in my opinion, they don't get enough um, credit for really thinking things through and being responsible. I think when given the education and just being told the truth, you know, I believe the next generation will far surpass, you know, what we're doing now even, and even what our parents did, yeah. you know, and do much better, you know, with their relationships, with their homes, with their children, you know, because a lot has happened. You know, we, we, were, we were kids when, when HIV became an epidemic. Mhm. And yeah, um, I
0: also want to say too, don't you think it's because the fact that they see a lot of their parents dealing with situations from what you said and from what I see like a lot of what is it the marriage the divorce rate is 50 percent? So it's like sometimes. we see that and we don't want to make that mistake.
1: Well, I think with men nowadays, no uh, here's the here's the issue. Men want to grow up, but men have been given a pass with their bad behavior and we reward it. It's, that's just really what it is because there's a lot of people who came from broken homes and they're doing well, mm-hmm. but there are some, there are those who just, they've been given a pass too many times and their behavior in many cases is enabled. And it's not to blame the people doing the enabling It's not blaming anyone at all. But if they know that they, they can get away with certain things, they're going to do it. That's why the Me Too movement is so prevalent because prior to the Me Too movement, the only reason why a lot of celebrities were doing what they were doing was not because they were just innately, innately a rapist. It was because they knew they can get away with a lot of the fuckery they were doing towards women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right.
1: we made, we basically made, we 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 only defined rape, and this is an example. I know last time I was talking about it, but we only define rape as uh, forceful, just being forceful, right? Um, And anything that's not forceful, I'm talking about violently forceful, it's just a man being a man. You see? It's, you know, so instead of holding him accountable, you, you know, you said no, but he's like, oh, come on, he kept kissing you and it felt good, so okay, well. it's like kind of like I was listening to Russell Simmons the other day and he admitted he was, and I knew it. it was like, he he was a womanizer back in the day. He was a player and he did a lot of Coke. I mean, come on. And a lot of what he was doing, he said it, shoot. He did a lot of drugs, did a lot of pills and he's been clean for some years now, but a lot of what he's been, been accused of doing, not just him, but a lot of different celebrities especially, that was considered a man being a man. So men have been given a pass for certain behaviors that us women know this ain't even cool. And But unfortunately, a lot of times we don't have the backbone, a lot of us haven't had the backbone to say, look, that's enough.
0: Wait, but it's you think nowadays, so that's not okay, right? Because we're speaking out about this and. Say it again? Nowadays, that's not acceptable, right? Because the whole. Absolutely
1: not. Yeah. It's, it's never been acceptable. It's just that it's never been accept. It's never been okay, but it's been accepted until recent years. Now it's like, you know, I, I doubled, like most young men, especially younger men, they just know like. Oh, it's a no? Okay, I'm good.
0: Good. They should be like that.
1: But even before the Me Too movement, believe it or not, I kind of noticed it with some young men. But it wasn't with all because, see, a lot of men were using an excuse to be like, well, they're not having sex a lot anyway. Nobody's touching them. She's here. She's drunk. She's passed out, so I'm going to just get my dibs since everybody else is doing it. They were given a pass. They did it because they knew they had a past. It's called privilege. That's another topic of discussion. You can't tell... Shit, fuck it. I'll just go there. You can't tell Rush Limbaugh about his white privilege, because that's like telling a fish it's in water. A oh. fish is going to look back at you and be like, what's water?
0: <laughs> because yeah, isn't what he old? In it. He's old
1: though, right? He's old, but He, he's in water. What is water? It's the same thing with men. You can't point out a man's privilege. Because what, they're gonna be like, five years ago even, what are you talking about? Bill Cosby still doesn't understand what he did was fucked up. Why? He's a fish in water.
0: But he got, he paid for it though, right? Yeah, he's still in jail. Well then he paid that's good.
1: But, but the point is, is that what we got to understand is, is that what we're not, changing laws is one thing. Mm -hmm. Marching is one thing. Um, Hashtags is one thing. We can talk about boycotting. We can talk about all this other stuff. It's going to take, take changing consciousness. Yes. That is the root of the problem. It's all about awareness. That's it. Because I remember t- everything we're talking about now. I talked about ten years ago before the Me Too movement.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But
1: people used to look at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Because they're like, I mean, that's that would be ideal in a in a perfect world, but that's just not what it is. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I remember, I remember being shunned. I remember people shutting me down. I re- I re- I remember, you know. So, watching and seeing what's happening now, it's like, look, it's, it's really simple. We got to change consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
1: going to change one way or another. And so, with men, it, it, fellas, and I tell them all the, and even I tell this to women too if you want a different outcome, you got to treat the world as a mirror. You got to look at yourself. What can mm. I do differently? Yes it's true it's
0: the mirror principle that works anyway
1: absolutely
0: um but yeah listen this is why i love talking with you yes i so agree with you times 10 million about the change in consciousness i hopefully hope that my podcast grows to millions of downloads and that i become part of that because i do think that we need a massive mfn uh changing consciousness i agree with you and even in terms of everything like spiritually health sexuality just the way we view all of society, yeah. I think. Um, but I think that that is happening. Now, is it happening as fast as we want it? No. But it's well, happening.
1: It's not going to happen that fast, but it starts with yourself. And, you know, in the beginning, just talking about BDSM, you understand the code. That's all you really need. And you don't, you know that... Until you know better, you won't be able to do better. You know what I mean?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that's just in life in general. So even just sexually, you want to have better sex. It does start with yourself. You have to be, you know, with the spirituality I practice, you know, a lot of people create shrines. We go to church. But you are your first church. You are your first shrine. Uh, You are your first altar. There's no point of, of, of putting all this power elsewhere when everything starts with yourself. You know, it's unfortunate. And, and, and a lot of times you start with you, the world will transform. It, the, no movement started with the majority. It's mm-hmm. always with the minority. Back in the 50s, back in the 50s, the average American, I say that in quotes, Didn't think there's anything wrong with this nation. Meanwhile, Jim Crow is, like, alive and well down south. You know what I mean? And even in states that didn't have Jim Crow. Like, it was a normal thing for a black man to be lynched in this nation. Mm. (laughs) It was normal. So... Nowadays, when we look around at, at what's going on, we see the police killings uh, that's been... We were fighting... Child, look, I'm from Minnesota. We was fighting police brutality back in the 90s when I was growing up. Ooh. That So that was nothing new. You know, but now we're looking at police killing. We're still looking at some of the same things, but what's happening different is that people are looking at themselves. And People are changing how they're viewing certain things. It starts I swear it starts with yourself. You, you change yourself, you will change the world.
0: Mm-hmm. I promise.
1: If you change yourself, you will change your sex life. And I often tell people, what happens out here it will happen in your bedroom. And so yeah, and what happens in your bedroom will reflect out here. Mm-hmm. It goes back you know, it, it goes both ways. And it goes back to what I said earlier. If a man approaches me and he's 35 years old and he's giving me his rapper name and not his real name when he introduced, and he don't even introduce himself. He asks if he could put his number in my phone. We have I could do one of two things because see some chicks think that's cute. I don't. No. But I also had to look at the fact that I want better sex with a particular type of man is that the type of man i want hell to the motherfucking no
0: yes but i also want to say too i think some of these guys just don't know they need to be taught
1: they don't know they don't and i know we hear it oftentimes yeah women to a certain extent see their first their first teacher as they would say especially a lot of african-american circles is the first teacher is the mother mm-hmm But I would even add on to say their first teacher is their environment. Yeah. So if you grew up in a neighborhood where all you see is pimps, then you're going to want to grow up to be a pimp. I was watching Quincy Jones' documentary, and he was talking about how at one point he wanted to be a gangster, but he grew up in the south side of Chicago, and all he saw was gangsters. And after being stabbed a couple times back in the 30s and 40s, he's like, you know, I need to do something else. He became a musician. And he became who he is today. So it's it, you. You gotta look at your your environment was what make you. And I and I tell men, if you want something different, you want a a type of a particular type of woman. If you need your dick sucks every day, and you want her to be a classy lady, then you need to present yourself as a classy man with some freak on the inside of him. And you gotta be open to her having some freak in her. Because if you still got the mindset, because usually those men who tell me that, they'll be the same ones who'll say, well, I don't want no freak because they're a whore. And I don't know if I could trust her. I'm like, so what do you want? Your dick sucked or not? Because it's going to take what you call a whore to suck your dick. That's what it's going to take, as you would call it. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same thing with women these motherfuckers ain't shit well <laughs> i mean but you're welcoming them welcoming them into your environment but i can't help you who you can love yes the fuck you can <laughs> yeah. listen i love little caesar's pizza i love mcdonald's i love burger king I love fast food. If I eat it every day, I'm going to die sooner than later.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So you can control what you what you have in your environment. Some things that you love need to stay the fuck over there.
0: Mm. You know.
1: So with men same thing. I'm like, you want something different, you got to you don't have to change yourself. You just have to you, the only thing you got to change is your perception of yourself and your environment and who you see. And when you change that, when you transform that, then you will meet. Cause those type of people that you want to be around, they've always been around. You just don't see them. Because you're too focused on this bitch over here that you can't trust. Cause she's too freaky. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: just saying, it's just a thought. <laughs>
0: No, no. Preach. I love it. I love it. No, listen, I, am. Um, that is so, so true. What you said, I mean, you were just saying some gold nuggets here about how you can't have sex out responsibility. When you change yourself, you change your world. Because you I so, so believe that too. I mean, that's, um, that's the whole part of the work of doing working on your relationship with yourself. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of that deep work that people don't want to deal with. And then they like, for example, I did a call with a woman earlier this week and she said, I just don't know why I just keep, Going back to him. It is the most toxic relationship. We've been going back and forth for five years. Yeah. And I said, Girlfriend, the common denominator is you. It's always you. And so it's like she was like, I just I'm not I'm not strong enough to start over again. Um the whole BS about afraid of being single. I was like, You're in your forties. You have plenty of time to meet an amazing person.
1: And what is wrong with being single? I'm trying I agree.
0: To, like,
1: I have, listen, I get, in fact, he just called me and I forgot to tell him I was doing this. Oops. And he's great. Love him to death. We're not serious. I'm not fucking around either. Neither one of us is fucking around. We have an agreement. But I'm trying to be single. Well, maybe not now, not with him. But, prior to actually six months ago i've been seeing this guy for about a year and a half but even in six months ago i just thought to myself i need to be single for as long as possible not because i want to i'm trying to be careful with him it's just because i enjoy being single you know being in a relationship people it it takes a responsibility Mm -hmm. and to get deep with that because people say that all the time, but they don't define what it is you're being responsible. One, you got to be more responsible for yourself because it's going to require self-care. I remember being in prayer and I was like, God, this is a great guy. I want to keep this guy around. What do I do to keep him around? And I felt in my spirit hitting me, oh, you want to keep him around? Yeah. Okay. Take care of yourself. Focus on you. I'm mm-hmm. like, What? I'm like that's it. That's it. Focus on you. If you don't take care of yourself, you'll be no good for anyone. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. So get over that bullshit. You're not going to you're not going to have it all together. In fact, you might meet the right person and 9 times out of 10 you're going to be the least perfect at that moment. But you have to take care of you. Um and then on top of that, you got to take care of your surroundings. You got to take care of your environment. It's not just about keeping it clean. Because a lot of people keep their houses clean and they toxic as, toxic as hell. <laughs> I could deal with some socks on the floor if the guy is stable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. If there's just socks on the floor, like that's fixable. Just, Like, bruh the here's a the hamper there that that's fixable but it taking care of your environment as in taking care of what you connect yourself with to maintain yourself it still goes back to you and so even just dating you want to meet different guys If you keep meeting a toxic person there's something within you that's toxic that's attracting that I hate to say this, please don't take this the wrong way, but if you are in an abusive relationship, a lot of times it's hard for people to leave an abusive relationship because of the toxic view they have of themselves.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And and it's and it took Tina Turner when she was able to get back to herself and she used Buddhism to do it, when she got back to herself it was easier for her to leave Ike. Mm. And that it's it's difficult. This is not easy because it takes, it's a practice you have to do every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even if it, sometimes you just had to make you your religion. You know, if you, if you know you need to lose weight or you want to lose weight, you know, cause you have to be healthy or if you know that, um, uh, If you don't exercise, like what would, like, if you know that there's certain things that's going to benefit you that you need to do, you know, but you're putting on the back burner to spend more time with some knucklehead that's not adding into your life, you're doing yourself a disservice being with them. And I've been there, I've been with pieces of shit all throughout my 20s, and half of them, I don't see no more. The other half, they're still in the same place it was at 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. But yeah, yeah, you make such a great point though because I think that, um, you know, there's really nothing wrong with being single. Our society is just obsessed with being in a relationship. And sometimes to do the deep work, you have to do it alone. This always is what I want to people too. Sometimes you have to do it alone so then you can attract someone at a higher frequency, right? Because you might have been down here, yeah. and then when you do the work, then you're elevated.
1: And I don't, you
0: know, I personally,
1: I would say this. If it helps people to, to feel like you're not working, you don't even have to call it doing the work. Just do what the fuck you want. Well, yeah, very you know,
0: true, yeah. Just-
1: it's, you know, you need to go get your nails done every week. Go get your nails done every week. If you need, if, you know, if that's a practice, meditation every morning, meditate every morning. Just make it a a constant practice, like a daily routine for yourself. Um, Go to the bar, mingle, have fun. You know, it don't have to be kumbaya shit. You don't have to go to become a Buddhist or Muslim or anything unless that's what draws, unless that's something that draws you, you know what I mean? But, you know, putting yourself first, you know, it's that I learned about putting myself first through BDSM because I being a submissive, I'm being asked, what can I do? And what can I not do? And I get to decide. It's the same thing in life. You get to choose.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: How, however it goes, you know? So it doesn't have to be like major work. Sometimes you just have to start out small. Like you're going to drink, two, three glasses of water every morning when you wake up. You're going to pray every morning when you wake up, you know, something, it could be simple and just do that for like 30 days and just see how far you can go. You know, it's the accomplishment that gives you a a new level of uh, a a new sense of, of self confidence in yourself. You know, knowing like, hey, I did 30 days of drinking three glasses of water every morning. Maybe I could do more, and it tastes better too.
0: <laughs> mm, yes, I think yes. I'm
1: gonna try this. I'm gonna go for 60 days and increase it, and you'll see how much be- you know better you become at that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, so where can everybody find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Coach Kitty Pride uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, that's about it.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds great. Hey, thanks so much for joining me again. Y'all. I will put our first podcast episode down below. So great talking with you, everybody. Be sure to DM either of us on Instagram. If you have any thoughts, comments, um, share the podcast and I will talk with you later. Bye.